tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 38. Here we are, you guys, halfway through summer 2020, and we still don't really know what the fall's going to look like. Are our kids going to go back to school? Are we going to be able to have regular Bible studies and, and church as we've always known it? Well, we don't really know. And it can be frustrating. And yet, at the same time, I believe that this is a time of opportunity, a chance to reach people for Jesus in unprecedented ways. But we're going to have to be willing to learn how to do new things and think outside of the box when it comes to ministry. And I think that's a good thing. You know, we can get so used to doing the same thing the same old way that we never really take time to step back and think, God, would you have us do something different? Well, into today's episode, my friend Cindy Ombi is going to be sharing tips for rethinking women's ministry. But no matter what ministry you're involved in, I think you're going to find her advice helpful because God really wants to do something new. <laughs> and I really think He wants to give us the wisdom to do it. Oh my goodness, it's so good to talk with you, Cindy. Welcome to the living room. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, it's really fun to have you on the podcast because you've been part of my private uh, living room Facebook group for many years, and you've been such an encouragement to me, Cindy. I just have to tell you that at just key moments, um, God's you'll you'll post something of encouragement to me, or we'll talk on the phone, and I'm just so glad that the Lord caused our lives to intersect. I appreciate you. Oh, I feel the very same way. I am so thankful. I was actually trying to think back and figure out how exactly our paths crossed. And I think it was when I was helping, I was serving on the launch team for one of your books. Yes, that's what it was. And um, just, uh, yeah, love how the Lord will bring people together. Yeah. Well, and you have an amazing ministry called Women's Ministry Toolbox, an online um, resource center that's just jam-packed with good, good stuff. And that's um, because there's such quality stuff there. I knew that this new book that you just finished it was going to be a powerful resource. It's called Rethinking Women's Ministry, Biblical Practical Tools for Cultivating a Flourishing Community. You can find it on Amazon or at Cindy's website. Cindy, tell me, how did how did this book happen? Well, uh, you know, I didn't really set out to write a book, but women were asking me constantly for resources and wanting to know what books were good and looking at the women's ministry books that were out there at the time that this whole process started, a lot of those books were 10 and 15 years old. Mm. And so much has changed in women's ministry since then. I mean, they weren't, you know, the word Instagram wasn't in any of those books and <laughs> right. social media really hadn't taken off like it has now. And uh, just even the audience is a little bit different than when those books were first released. And so, you know, I just kind of kept praying and just really felt the Lord move me in this direction and uh, started with writing a book proposal, which, you know, was one of the very first things that you do. And uh, he just kind of took it from there. It's It's been quite a journey. Oh, well, I was so honored to be able to write an endorsement for your book. And I don't do that often. I really don't. But this um, this topic 
really resonates in my soul. I'm a pastor's wife, so I'm always, I have a heart for women's ministry. Um, never felt like I was supposed to be the director at our church, but um, have always wanted to see women involved in Bible studies and in special events. But I kind of told you a little bit of my story before we got on. Um, about two years ago, year and a half ago, the Lord um, just began opening an opportunity to help lead the women's ministry department for our denomination in the state of Montana. And um, they they were trying to find one person to do it. And I thought, well, maybe it's not one person. Maybe it's a team. Anyway, long story short, uh, we put together um, a, a a team of three women, and we begin to reimagine women's ministry. Because to be honest, it had kind of got stuck in a model that wasn't necessarily working well mm-hmm. anymore. Do you find that's kind of true for uh, a lot of existing ministries? Unfortunately, yes. And I mean, you are probably familiar with this. Women's ministry has kind of a bad reputation in a lot of churches. A lot of pastors are not big fans of women's ministry. You know, we hear words like clicks. We hear things like, you know, shallow or it's not very deep. Um, Lots of pink fluffy stuff sometimes Mm -hmm. is associated with women's ministry. And there are some churches that have gotten a little off track of what God wants women's ministry to be. And some just need encouragement and support because they're fighting against what people think women's ministry is versus what women's ministry really is. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, and (laughs) to be honest, I even kind of had a bias. Um, Like, I remember as a youth pastor's wife, and I was invited to go to a women's event. And I'm like, ah, yeah, nah, that just sounds like the most boring thing in the world. (laughs) And it turned out I went and I had the most fun. They were crazier than any teenagers I'd ever (laughs) been around. But, uh, But it has been actually the vehicle of women's ministry that has changed my personal life. Um, again, as a youth pastor attending, youth pastor's wife, I should say, attending our church ladies Bible study and, um, and really being exposed to the word of God, mm-hmm. being exposed to women who really love Jesus so much and that there was so much more than fluff. And um, I've seen the potential of women's ministry. I believe in women's ministry, but it was really strange. I volunteered to help reimagine women's ministry for the state of Montana when we didn't actually have an organized women's ministry ourselves in our church. So it's like, oh my word, it feels a little bit of hypocritical or else it could be a wonderful place to just let there be a blank slate and reimagine what women's ministry could be. And I think that's why I love your book so much, because that's really kind of what you're asking us to do is to just rethink Within the framework of really prayer, looking at your community, seeing what they need. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I love that you are not, you are absolutely not suggesting a cookie cutter approach to women's ministry. You're encouraging us to find out the heart of God for our church. Absolutely. I mean, I can't prescribe what any church needs. Every church has different needs in it. 
And it really does make a difference if we spend time in prayer and in the word of God and seeking what it is that he wants for our women in our church, in our specific situation. I mean, I could tell you example upon example of times when, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be our theme and this is going to be our focus for women's ministry this year. And when I put the time in and started praying, he would he would bring different pieces. You know, I hear one theme in a sermon and then I turn on the radio and it would be like the verse of the day on the radio station. It would just start coming at me from all different directions. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, okay, that's not where I thought we were going, but all right, that's apparently where we need to go. And then to see it unfold and God just really touch the hearts of our women and grow them in just a fresh and new way. It's, it's, there's just nothing like it. Yeah. It's throughout the book. I really try to emphasize to prayerfully consider different suggestions and different ideas and figure out what's going to work for your women. I've talked to women's ministry leaders. I used to know one that worked in Las Vegas and um, served in Las Vegas. I should say she didn't work in Las Vegas. That did not come out right. (laughs) But um, after that came out of my mouth, I thought, oh dear, no, she, that, she <laughs> was a pastor's <laughs> wife. They were a church plant in, in the Las Vegas area. And she, we met at a conference and she said, you know, Cindy, the normal women's ministry stuff that people do doesn't really work for the women we're trying to reach. And she's right. You know, it, you can't just place a prescription or say, okay, here's the box and this is going to work in your women's ministry in your church. You've really got to look at well, who you, who makes up your community. We did a survey in a church I was in a few years ago because we were wondering who our women really were. Like, how many did we actually have? I asked that question one time and we kind of had a ballpark idea, but I'm like, let's count them because we were a smaller church and we could do that. We actually had the church secretary poll for us, like the different demographics of our women. And we had no idea that we had such a large single community of women within our church. We actually had a very large number of widows. We knew we had some, but we had no idea it was that high. And then we had a large number of young single women too, that were not coming to our fence. So we didn't see them or interact with them on a regular basis, but they were there. And it was that light bulb moment. Okay, we've got to do something. We've got to change something because we're not reaching them with the things that we're doing right now. So, you know, we had multiple discussions on what can we do to better reach those women. Yeah. You know, I think that, I think it's really important that we realize that our women are coming from different places. You know, um, when we started in ministry over 30 years ago, we still had a large demographic of women that were stay at home moms. Mm -hmm. So, so they were able to come and be part of a day time Bible study. But the reality is that those numbers are shifting and, and also you've got women I think one of the things we kind of do is we have a tendency tendency to say, here's women's ministry, here's the Bible study we're having, you come, rather than trying to figure out what are the doorways, what are the gateways of inviting women into a space where they will be ministered to in different ways, because not everyone is ready for a Bible study. Um, how, how did you guys navigate that? How have you navigated that as a leader? I think the important thing is to offer different things. Uh, Bible study is a great place to start because you want your women in the word. So if you're just launching or relaunching a women's ministry, that's usually where I first tell leaders to to put some effort and some focus because God's word's got to be central to what you're doing. But 
you know, it's surprising when you discover some of the interests in your group. I know of churches that have like hiking groups and they have women that meet on a regular basis and head outdoors. They might have some prayer time and a devotional before they get started, but they're walking out in nature and experiencing the world that God created and seeing his beauty. And that's not what we typically think of as women's ministry. Surveying your women can be really, really helpful to get a really good understanding of what their needs are, but especially what their availability is. Like you just mentioned, it is true. We've got, and I talk a little bit about the statistics in the book of how it had, we have had that shift. And if you're only offering daytime Bible studies, you're missing a huge group of women that aren't able to attend because they're working or they're caring for children or that just doesn't work for the situation that they're in. Yeah. Yeah. And we not only have that, but we have multi-generations that I think it's really important if we are called to minister to women, that is women of all ages, all yes. demographics, how can we be better at bridging those generations or reaching those different generations? Well, we, the first thing is we've got to be intentional. And we went through this at one of the churches I served in. Our women's ministry was kind of known as the older women's ministry at that church, if you get my drift. Right. And we thought, you know, you kind of looked at it. It seemed like it was the 50 or 60 and up ladies. And our younger women at our church really, truly did not think that it was for them. So we started being very, very intentional. One of the first things that we did was we invited some of the younger women in our church to serve on the women's ministry team, because we can't assume that we know what's going to reach them and what they're interested in. So having their voices on the team and being able to ask them and say, you know, is that something you would come to? Is that something your friends would come to? Made a big difference. And when they were involved, then their friends wanted to become involved because they're, you know, you bring friends with you when you go to things. Um, at a conference that we had, once we got our team kind of more generationally balanced, we had a younger speaker come. Mm -hmm. And we actually had to tell, tell a little bit about this in the book. We had three different speakers at that event. Our purpose was to launch a mentoring ministry. And so we had a woman that was in the middle. She was mentoring the younger woman, and then she was being mentored by the older woman. So all three shared stories and shared about their experience at our event. It was really cool for our women to see that it makes a difference to interact across the generations. So even things like not allowing everyone to just sit with their friends at every mm. single event you have and being intentional and assigning seating sometimes. I know that people get <laughs> a little upset when I say that. I, I sometimes get major backlash, but it does work. And it's really neat to see how God will place people that need to be sitting next to each other at the table that on their own, they would not have choose, chosen that spot. But all of a sudden, oh gosh, you know, you hear this wisdom from this woman who's you know, maybe it's somebody who's got younger kids or high school kids, and she's worried about the college years and the empty nest. And what is that going to look like? That can be really stressful. But then she's got this woman sitting beside her who's already been through that. And she can, you know, pat her on the hand and say, it's going to be okay. You're going to yeah. make it through it. And there's just such, such beauty happens. I mean, God created us to be in community with one another. And oh, it's just, it's so sweet when we share and we talk and we connect with people outside of our little circle that we're usually in. 
You are so right. And I think, you know, when you look at surveys of the younger generations, they are so hungry for connection and they are hungry for community. And we've got a lot of motherless mothers that don't know how to do this. We've got, we've got a whole generation that, um, you know, they don't have a Christian heritage and to have an older woman to come alongside of them or, or even just realize, Oh my goodness, you are so much fun. I want to know you <laughs> can go both ways. And really, I think I, I love that you really make that one of a, a foundation thing of, of how to bridge those generations, but also how to encourage community. What have you seen uh, that has been probably the most effective in creating that community? Oh gosh. Um, just like I said it before, I mean, really just being intentional about it and making sure that you're thinking through the bigger picture of your women. Sometimes we fall into the habit of all of our discussion questions relating to motherhood. Yeah. And remembering that not all of our women are mothers. Mm. Or some may want to be mothers and they're not yet and being sensitive to that fact. And so thinking through, okay, is this going to hit the woman that's single? How is this going to, the woman who's a widow going to respond? How is the woman who's maybe separated from her husband going to respond to the marriage questions? It's hard. I think women's ministry is one of the most challenging ministries because our reach is so broad. Right. And women are so diverse and trying to create situations in which they're going to see the things that they have in common is really what's most important because they all love Jesus. And that's the one thing that unites us. So when we can keep the focus on that and then start pulling out things, I love doing icebreakers. I'm a big icebreaker junkie. It's one of the ways a lot of women find the women's ministry toolbox site is searching for icebreakers. But I like intentional icebreakers because they provide those points of connection. When you start Mm -hmm. uncovering shared experiences or shared personal preferences, all of a sudden women are talking about that. Oh gosh, I've always wanted to visit Greece. You mean you've been to Greece? Can you tell me about your trip? And those conversations may start on the surface level, but over time they begin to deepen and those connections grow. And the next thing you know, women are discipling and mentoring one another and Oh, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think a lot of women who might be listening to this podcast, either they're part of an established women's ministry, maybe they're part of a leadership team, maybe they've just avoided women at all costs. I had one woman say, I'd like to come to ladies Bible study, but aren't there girls there? (laughs) Aren't there women? Uh, You know, I think, I think even understanding that walking into a room of women can be one of the most intimidating things we Mm -hmm. can do. And just cultivating that atmosphere of love and acceptance and, and really seeing that girl that looks lonely. And, you know, sometimes, um, I think for me, I've gotten a little bit frozen um, because I haven't always known. I know that I want this for my women, but I haven't always known how to uh, create it. Or I felt, and this is my own my own issue, and this could be a whole other podcast. My own tendency to think that if I if I can do something, maybe I should do something rather than looking for women 
to come alongside and, or even to hand off and have them create something. Um, I love that you spend a lot of time talking about team. Um, over our years of ministry, this is, <laughs> this has been my weak spot. There's a couple of reasons. I think, I think because I'm the pastor's wife, I just feel like, well, I should do it. And then because my, my bandwidth isn't that broad, it just doesn't get done. Or sometimes, um, I just think, well, it would be easier to do it myself. What would you say to that woman out there that's kind of that lone ranger? I understand and I'm you. <laughs> I totally get it. I, I confess in the book that I really struggle with delegating. I totally get it's easier to do it yourself. You know, it's going to be done the way that you want it to be done. But that's not what the Bible tells us. We are a body. And we need the other members of the body serving and using their gifts. And when we don't allow women to do that, we are holding them back. We're Mm. keeping them from being obedient. Um, I often will say, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yes. And so we have got to be prayerful. Sometimes it seems like, well, that's an easy yes, because, oh, I can do that. No problem. But if we say yes and we didn't stop to pray about it, And we're stepping into something that God has planned for somebody else that, oh gosh, you know, that regret that hits you later when you realize, oh, maybe this was not supposed to be what God, you know, maybe God didn't call me to this. I'm stepping into somebody else's calling. Um, But that's not good. We are stronger when we have teams of people, even though we may feel weak because we've had to ask for help. We are actually stronger because we have those teams of people working together. Exactly. And I think scripture tells us very clearly, especially for pastors, uh, for pastor's wives, part of our job is equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. It's not doing the work of the ministry by ourselves. And, And so in some ways, with the Lord asking me to step into this realm on statewide leadership, it has forced me to create teams. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been an aspect that we have been missing for years. And it's not my sweet spot, but I'm having to figure it out. Um, <laughs> one of, I just, okay, deep confession. One of the reasons why I don't like teams is I hate meetings. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we manage a good team? Let's start back. Let's, how do we create a team? Well, the best teams are the God, the teams that God puts together. Amen. So you start, and I go through actually like a step-by-step process in the book. I'll kind of abbreviate it for you. And I learned this the hard way. So let me just start by saying I've done it all wrong in the past. And I had a mentor that thankfully got me on the right track. So this has all been passed on to me. But you pray. You start with prayer. Because it's not just going to be a circle of your friends. There are people outside of the circle of people that you know that God is calling to serve alongside with you. So you pray and you ask God to put people in your path. You talk to people like the pastor because he knows a lot of people or she knows a lot of people that would be great and have the gifts that you need. You look for people to serve in specific roles. You don't want to ever just put a blanket thing in the church newsletter saying, hey, we're putting together a women's ministry team. Anybody interested? Because you have to then take whoever comes forward. Mm. And 
that's, you know, we want to do this in a prayerful and intentional manner. And so we want to pray. We want to make a very specific ask for a specific role. It could be like, you know, hey, we're looking for somebody who's really gifted in hospitality that's warm and that's welcoming and can love on our ladies when they attend events and activities. So you're looking for that. And when you talk to people, you say, this is what we're looking for and ask them to to look through, you know, their list of contacts, the people that they interact with at church and see if somebody fits into that makes a huge difference. Once you've got your list, it's prayed for, the pastor's approved it because he sometimes will be aware of situations that might prevent somebody from serving right now in leadership. So you want to make sure you get their approval. Then you call them and you ask them to pray because you want this whole process to be bathed in prayer. There's some timelines and things I get into in the book, but basically you want to follow up with them later and not take an answer right then on the phone if if possible, because you want them to talk to their spouse if they're married, because you want them to be on board. It's going to impact their schedule sometimes. And you want them to spend time in God's word looking for scriptural confirmation to know that God said now is the time. Sometimes they're going to come back and they're going to give you a no, or they're going to say, you know, I don't feel like the timing is right now. And that's okay. God may bring them back around later, or he has somebody else in mind for that situation. But blanketing with prayer, I I just cannot emphasize it enough. If you ask God to bring people, he absolutely will. It's his timing, though. Um, There were times I thought we would, you know, have a big full team of 10 or 12 people or something, and we had maybe five of us. Yeah. But, you know, you work with what God sends you in his timing, and you trust that he's going to fill those positions and roles as he sees fit. Yeah, that is so good. And I think you mentioned, you know, uh, bringing on a younger, bringing on some younger representatives. I think having that, that well-rounded representation, one of the things God's really been challenging me, um, you know, uh, I've been in ministry for 38 years and I've done it on my own for 38 years. And the Lord has really challenged me, Joanna, who are you raising up mm. to follow you? Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes we get our little group of girls that we just work so well together and we don't want to mix up the, you know, dynamic. And we forget that we're supposed to be raising up these younger women and we're even supposed to be giving them. We're, I really believe we're supposed to be pushing them forward even mm-hmm. and letting them be the face of some things because you're, um, it's really important. They will be the ones that draw in um, the younger girls. So uh, for me too, I think the thing I've had to get over is I need people who aren't me. Yes. <laughs> And so that means I need that analytical girl. I need that organized girl. I need that girl who's willing to, um, you know, track down the, the, the little details and follow through on things. And so looking for the well-rounded team, you've got so many wonderful chapters. Uh, you just kind of walk us through um, how to, how to use social, how to use publicity, rethinking publicity. We are in a whole new world. And I would just say to existing women's ministry teams out there, if you are not using the new tools, you're really missing it. So you'll definitely want to check out that chapter. You talk about rethinking your calendar, uh, rethinking mentoring and discipleship, rethinking Bible studies, rethinking service opportunities and mission trips. Um, and then what, in your final part, you talk about implementing change. 
making changes and managing sacred cows. And I just have a feeling that we have maybe have some girls out there who are like, I so want to revitalize the women's ministry in our church, but we've been doing it the same way for so long. How do we navigate and how do we lead change? This is hard. I mean, I think this is, you know, there's so, there's so many things about women's ministry that's hard, but this is tricky because you're going to have some women that are going to be resistant to change flat out going to be upset with you if you start changing things. So I don't recommend that you just, you know, nix everything and start fresh and just in a whole new direction. You're probably going to have some women that are going to be very vocally upset with you if you do that and may just not come at all anymore because you have taken away things that they love very, very dearly. So we've got to be careful and take small steps. In most cases, unless the Lord has, you feels given you really clear direction on completely changing something or, you know, pivoting, however you want to phrase it. If we can take small steps and yeah. bring it to where we feel the Lord is leading us, our women are much more likely to go along with that. I talk in the story or in the story, I tell a story in the book about a sacred cow that we identified in a church that I was at. And it was our table event. And it was a huge deal every Mm -hmm. single year. Women, I am not kidding when I say this, would start planning their table decor the moment the event ended for the next year. Well, of course, because we're talking about Christmas, right? And you have to hit the Christmas sales, No, right? this was not even Christmas. Really? <laughs> no, this was in the spring. This was oh a spring God. one. It was not a Christmas one. But wow. they were so excited. And that's great. And, you know, God created beauty and there are beautiful things. And that's wonderful. But we had lost focus on what the event's purpose was. And there was so much focus on the decor and the setup and the favors, this and that. Our women would arrive 30 minutes early just so they could walk around and look at the tables every year. So when we started kind of, God was highlighting some areas that were of issue. We talked as a team and we're like, all right, how can we change things up a little bit? So the next year, instead of starting in our fellowship hall, which was where the event was always the whole thing beginning to end was usually held we started in the sanctuary and had Mm -hmm. our speakers speak first. And then we're going to move to dinner in the fellowship hall afterwards with the beautifully decorated tables. Well, it was, we publicized this because I knew this was going to be a problem. Like I knew they wanted to see the tables. They're always there early. So we had people stationed at the front doors and we're directing them in that way. At one point I locked the back door so they could not come in the fellowship hall. I was so frustrated. I know that was not very Christ-like of me. I admit it. Lord and I have had many conversations about this. And it was funny because I couldn't keep it locked because our men who were helping to serve needed to go in and out that door. So it didn't get to stay locked. But I was just like, we're just so trying hard (laughs) to get the focus where it needs to be. Try to get them to come in the front door instead of the the fellowship hallway. But just those little things, I think, Mm -hmm. started redirecting. And it's like, you know, a GPS recalculating slowly to get the focus back where it needed to be. Yeah. So just little things like that and not ripping a Band-Aid off and making it painful. But how can we, we see where we need to go. How can we take some small steps to get there? So maybe three years from now, then it really looks like what we feel God wants it to be. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's so important. You know, it, it's so one of the things I think we've really got to do is just ask God for a heart mm-hmm. for every single woman mm-hmm. that we really operate from love. Yeah. Um, sometimes as leaders, we're, we can be women on a mission and it's we're going to lead change. And if you don't want to come, well, there's the door. And that's that's not the heart mm-hmm. of Christ. No. And to be willing to, to go at a pace, I think even sometimes a pace that the whole flock can go. And and also be okay that not everybody's going to go with you. But um, I love that, just that tender, those baby steps towards change. And um, I think the thing I've found is that if I will honor people where they are, see see their concern, mm-hmm. and yet not get paralyzed by it, and, and begin to, I always kind of liken it to, you know, like if you're on a speedboat that just makes a quick whipping change, you're going to lose people overboard. But if we can be that cruise ship that makes the slow, long turn, um, we're going to be able to carry everybody with us. So I love that advice. Well, Cindy, I mean, we could just talk. We could talk so, so much more. Um, I hope you guys will go get the book. It's at Amazon, Rethinking Women's Ministry by Cindy Ownby, C-Y-N-D-E-E. Ownby is O-W-N-B-E-Y. You can also find it at womensministrytoolbox.com. You definitely need to go there because you've got some bonus material. Will you tell us about that? I do. So I know how hard it is to come up with forms and covenants and worksheets and things like that. So if you go to the bonus materials page, I give you several key things for absolute free. All you have to do is enter your email address. It'll come to you via email and then you can print them out and use them. You can tweak them if you want to for your church or you can use them as is. I include things like the post-event evaluation form, which I love because you sit down as a team and you really look at after the event, what worked well, what didn't maybe quite work as well as we had hoped, you know, what things do we need to change the next time? But how did our women experience Christ at this event? So we make sure we're keeping the focus where it needs to be. You know, what was the budget? How many volunteers do we need? So it it covers the practical side as well as the spiritual side of the event. And then you've got those. The next time you plan an event, you can say, oh, wait a minute, we were short on volunteers last time. You know, we wish we'd had, you know, three more people helping in the kitchen or whatever it is that will help you build better events as you're moving forward. There's a health assessment form where you can walk through and try to assess the health of your women's ministry. Are you in a good place? Maybe you are. And that's great. Praise God. If that's where you're at, at. but maybe, you know, things aren't going quite as well as maybe it could be. So trying to get a, um, a, just a big picture look at how your women's ministry is functioning. And there's things like a women's ministry team covenant, and they are setting some guidelines. So your team understands what's expected of them, as well as what they're making a commitment to do. Excellent. I think sometimes if we don't put them in writing, then problems creep up. And well, you know, you never said you expected me to be at the women's ministry team meeting every month. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. I have other things planned. Sorry, I can't be there. So just kind of laying those those framework is really important. And then for fun, I include 31 icebreaker questions that are just good introduction questions to get your women talking to one another. There's lots of other things in there, but I hope that they'll be helpful 
and beneficial to teams, especially those that are just starting out that may be trying to gather these types of things together and is just starting from scratch and doesn't know, you know, where, where to start. Even these will be some good starting places for you. It really will. That's one of the things that, um, you know, especially as we're rethinking women's ministry on a state level, um, we're wanting to do it in a sustainable way. And we're, and, and I think if we can approach women's ministry like that, it, that we're building something that we're going to pass down yes. that 20 years from now is still going to be thriving and, and active. I think that that has really helped me to not feel like we have to do everything at once, but begin the most important things that the Lord says, add things, be willing to readjust, look at it. Did that work? Is that, do we keep on doing it or not? And your book is just a wonderful, wonderful. I just can't, I really, I was telling you before we got on, I can't recommend it more highly because it's just so practical, but yet there is such a a sweet spiritual aspect to it that, um, that I just love. So, oh, Cindy, thank you so much. What one, as you, we close, what would you say to that woman who's like, oh, you know, I've been doing minis- women's ministries for so many years and I, I feel like I'm still supposed to be doing it, but I'm, I'm feeling tired and I'm feeling uninspired. And I, I think I need to rethink women's ministry, but I don't even know where to begin. What would you, what would you suggest? You are not alone. There are lots of leaders that feel absolutely the same way that you do. I hear from them almost every single week. The biggest thing I would say is if you're not in the word, get back into the word. If we Mm. neglect our personal time with the Lord, it's going to affect our ministry. And that's where we're going to get our fuel and our fire from is one-on-one time with Jesus. Definitely get back to him if you have, if you maybe it's been your to do list or maybe it's your ministry list that's gotten so long and so big that you're so busy doing ministry that you're not getting yourself filled up. Get back to that. That will help sustain you in the long run. And check, you know, are you using a team? If you're doing everything yourself, then yeah, you are going to burn out and wear out. Who can you delegate some things to? Who can you bring alongside of you? That will helpful will be helpful to you and help you. And you have people praying for you. So we all need people that will be covering us in prayer. Um, it's great if you've got a wise woman that can serve as your mentor, that when you feel like you're stuck and you're burnout on ministry, that you can go to her and talk to her and, and get some feedback from. And she can speak wisdom into your life because she knows you and she maybe can see an area in which yeah, maybe you're wearing yourself out. Maybe God's not called you to that right now. Maybe that's a place where you need to pull back or, you know, hey, I know so-and-so and I think she'd be really great to help you with maybe it's the retreat planning or whatever it is that you're working on. It's hard to sustain the passion and the energy and the thrill of women's ministry because there is all that, that women's ministry can be fun. I feel like we've talked a lot about how hard it can be, but oh my gosh, it is. And I know, Joanna, you love it too. Yeah, I love it or I wouldn't be doing it. Press on, trust that God's going to bring you through this season. Ask him to bring people to help you, whether it's physical help or prayer help or, um, you know, sometimes we just need to ask for help. We've just taken on too much ourselves And sometimes that's not even help with the ministry stuff so much. Maybe you've got that covered, but 
maybe you are just worn out because you've got so many things going on at home. You're trying to deal with all that stuff too. Look at where can you, where can you get a little bit of relief or a little bit of reprieve to get through the season that you're in? Because it's it's coming. Things are going to get better. We just got to hang in there. Don't give up. I mean, that would be my one thing is if God's called you to this, please don't give up. Hmm. Your women need you. They need you desperately. They need Jesus and they need you to point them to him. Amen. Amen. Oh, this has been so rich. Thank you, Cindy, so much for your time. And thank you for this book. I'm just I'm just excited to see what the Lord's going to do, uh, not only in existing women's ministries, but in new women's ministries that are already birthed in the heart of God. And He's just waiting for us to be willing to take those baby steps of obedience as He leads us. Thank you again, Cindy, for being with us. Oh, thank you. It has been a pleasure reconnecting with you and talking with you about my very favorite topic in the world. (laughs) And uh, I love and appreciate your excitement and your support for this book. Uh, I can't wait to see how God's going to use it to draw women to Him. Amen. Rethink. Reimagine. Step back and consider what God might want to do different in your church and in your ministry. I love that Cindy emphasizes the importance of looking to God for wisdom in reevaluating and reshaping our ministries. For only He knows what our churches need, and only He knows what our futures hold. James 1.5 promises, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. I hope you'll go over to joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 038. You'll find links to Cindy's new book as well as her website. It's my prayer that as we go into this fall, we'll be ready to embrace ministry no matter what it looks like, whether it's taking place at our physical location or still being held online. I believe that God wants to use the church to build mature, (laughs) joyful, successful Christians solid in their faith and hungry for the word, equipping each and every Christian to live and love and lead like Jesus. See you next time.